Welcome to Brightline Living, the official podcast of Brightline Eating, where we focus on living a life free from food obsession and filled with peace and unstoppability. Each week, Dr. Susan Pierce Thompson, New York Times bestselling author and founder of Brightline Eating, will cover topics ranging from food addiction to fascinating science and how to live a bright life. Now here's Susan with the audio version of this week's blog. Hey there, it's Susan Pierce Thompson and welcome to the weekly vlog. So this is a vlog that I have been meaning to shoot for a long time and it relates to the question that I get asked most by my friends in Brightline Eating when we hop on the phone and we haven't talked for a long time. Invariably, one of them will ask, hey, whatever happened to that uh, medical exam question thing? Whatever happened to Lyndon? Whatever happened to, how are we doing with our charity water giving? So I'm recording this vlog now because this is the Wednesday after Giving Tuesday. We've We've stacked in the United States all of these sort of traditions on the back of Thanksgiving. So after Thanksgiving comes Black Friday, which is some mad rush to buy stuff at stores. I myself have never once participated, but all kinds of people go crazy going into stores buying stuff. And then we've got Cyber Monday, where there's all these crazy deals online to buy stuff. And then comes Giving Tuesday, where we all come to our sanity and remember that truly, truly, we have more than enough and we remember to give to the less fortunate in the world or really the, the truly amazing causes that we want to advance because uh, we see the need in the world. And I want to update you on your giving, our community's giving. I know that there are people watching and listening to this vlog who um, will have no idea what I'm talking about because you're relatively new to the Brightline Eating community. So this will give you a little window into some of the generosity and heart and soul of our community. And for those of you who are watching and listening who were here way back when, when I'll be talking about in the end of 2017 and 18 and 19, it will help close the loop and keep you updated on the effects of our community's incredible muscle when it comes to being generous. Generosity is one of the uh, explicitly listed values in Brightline Eating. Go check our website. We have our values listed there. Generosity is one of them. And uh, we have become known for it. That, that I'll share about in a second. But um, in this vlog, I want to update you on the three charitable um, endeavors that we have engaged in together, which isn't many, frankly. There's well over 300 vlogs out now. I've been doing one um, every Wednesday for years, well over 300 vlogs. And uh, that means that uh, 1% or less of the vlogs um, relate to, hey, here's this cause, would you like to donate? It's very, very rare, exceedingly rare that I do that. But I have done it once in a rare while. And I'm going to update you now on the results of that. Now, the first one is just a rain check for an update. I want to let you know what happened with Lyndon and her alternative limb. So 
Lyndon is um, one of our Brightline Eating coaches. She's a se- the senior Brightline Eating coach on staff here. She has been maintaining her own weight loss with Brightline Eating for seven years. She was the very first boot camper in Brightline Eating history. And Lyndon was born with no fingers on her left hand. She has a thumb, but no fingers on her left hand. And she's left-handed. And she's a painter, an artist, and a musician. So she plays piano, plays cello, plays guitar, paints with her left hand. And Lyndon um, has always felt like having a left hand with no fingers feels like, um, well, like it, it ought to be respectfully covered up, you know, like respectfully, just like you wouldn't if you had an eye uh, socket with no eye in it, you would wear a patch or something to cover it. It just feels a little exposed to be out in the open. And back in 2017, at the end of 2017, you can search for this vlog. It's called Out on a Limb. Just so you know, to search for a vlog, you go to brightlineeating.com, brightlineeating.com. Then you click on the vlog tab, and then there's a search box right at the top, Out on a Limb. And I recorded this vlog, and we raised, like that, $50,000 for Lyndon to get not just a prosthetic, but exquisitely artistic prostheses, two of them, um, and they're still in progress. Now, one of them was finished a while back. This one was made of crystal, and it's um, stunning. And then recently, it uh, burned in a fire because Lyndon's uh, condo, her house, her I don't know if it's a, a townhouse or a house, it, it burned down in a fire on Chilliwack Mountain in British Columbia. And the crystal fingers were salvaged from the fire and they're awaiting restoration. And the second set is uh, steampunk uh, in style and it is right now finally completed and in its transit route en route to Linden in British Columbia. Lyndon's now living in a temporary housing situation as her home gets rebuilt and it is on its way to her. So this is a rain check for the final vlog that will um, be sharing Lyndon's story. There's, there's more twists and turns to it and triumph. Oh my gosh, Lyndon, just we love you so much and your resilience is mind-blowing. And uh, let's all just send Lyndon some extra love because she is going through a period of grief right now, having just gone through this incredible trauma uh, with her home. So um, the steampunk fingers are on their way to her and the crystal fingers are, um, are awaiting restoration. So loving you, Lyndon, with that. And for everyone out there, we will complete the circle when the, uh, the appropriate final culmination um, is completed there. The steampunk fingers, by the way, have movement to them, and this is why they took as long as they did to be completed. So thanks to Sophie from the Alternative Limb Project in London and Jason, who has been embarking on the movement piece. Fingers are incredibly difficult in terms of prosthesis, right? Um, Compared to a leg or an arm or something like that, fingers are delicate 
and uh, the motion and everything. It's just, it's a whole different scale of project. So that is the update on our beloved Linden. Now, the second update I have for you is on a vlog that came out in December of 2019, and it was called Let's Make History Together. So if you search for the word history in the vlog archives, it will come up. And it is about this issue that came to my attention in 2019, at the end of 2019, from our dear friend Ocean Robbins. Essentially, the story goes like this, in a nutshell. Uh, As we all know, shockingly, (laughs) doctors are not educated about nutrition in medical schools, by and large. Doctors, by and large, are not educated about nutrition in medical schools. That's starting to change. The lifestyle medicine movement is having an impact on that. Um, But Ocean Robbins and some other folks started to dive into why not, and the answer that came up is that because it's not on the exam, the medical licensing exam. And so they approached the National Board of Medical Examiners and said, could we get nutrition added to the exams? And they essentially said, we don't see any evidence that medical schools care about that. And so it became a circular thing of, we're not going to require it because medical schools don't care. Well, medical schools weren't caring because it wasn't on the exam. And they were teaching their future med students to pass the exam. So what ended up happening was the American College of Lifestyle Medicine uh, partnered together with the International Board of of Lifestyle Medicine um, and the American Board of Lifestyle Medicine to create an endeavor to get funding to pay for a set of test bank questions written to the National Board of Medical Examiners standards, which are extremely high and extremely precise, and they needed to recruit um, expert test bank question writers from around the world to complete this and to pay them fairly for their work. And they determined that they needed to raise $250,000 to do do this. And so the, the logic is that with a set of questions already written, they could go to medical schools and offer these test banks um, because the, the, the testing is really, it's a, it's a business, right? The, the test bank questions from the National Board of Medical Examiners, medical schools have to pay to get access to those test banks. And so if you had questions that were lifestyle medicine and nutrition focused, food as medicine focused, uh, medical schools could use those questions free of charge as long as they could get um, their their professors to teach the relevant material, it would work out great and medical schools would actually save money. And then once 75% of medical schools were using these questions, uh, the board would be forced to put those questions on the exams permanently for everyone. So, so what happened was they had this group of people trying to raise this $250,000. And through seven fundraising attempts, they'd managed to raise $50,000. They were $200,000 short. So Ocean Robbins calls me up one day and he says, Susan, I'm working on this project and we're having a hard time raising the rest of the money. I'm working with the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. Could you meet the, the executive director of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine and see what you can do with your Bright Line Eating Movement? Because I've noticed that your bright lifers, your, your core faithful, your people who watch your vlog 
are so dedicated. And I believe that this is a cause that they would care a lot about. So I said, yeah, I think they would care a lot about this. And let's see if we can raise $200,000. So on December 18th of 2019, I shot a vlog that God bless me was 53 minutes long. It is the longest vlog ever to come out. And the invitation to donate to this cause came at the very tail end of this 53 minute vlog. And boom, within like a day, a day and a half, we had raised the $200,000 that they needed. And here's the status update. The test bank questions got written by that international pool of experts. The test bank is up to the National Board of Medical Examiners standards. And right now the effort is happening to get those test bank questions into the hands of all of the medical schools in the United States. And as soon as 75% adoption is hit, there will be uh, a switch that happens where the, uh, the licensing exam will be forced to include mandatorily lifestyle medicine, nutrition-based questions on the licensing exam for physicians in the United States. So right now, it's the effort to get 75% adoption. But we did it. We we funded, you know, well, you know, 200000 out of $250,000. Our community funded that effort, and history is being made right now. So I don't know how long it's going to take to get 75% adoption. That could be quite a long process. Um, but it is underway, and we absolutely did it. Now, I had talked in that vlog about food addiction being something that could be taught in in medical schools and there could be questions on the exam. What I discovered was I started to roll up my sleeves and write some of those test bank questions. And what I discovered was the National Board of Medical Examiners standards require citations related to not just to the existence of a condition, but to the medical treatment of a condition. And what I realized was right there, we didn't have any research, published studies, showing different efficacy rates of different approaches for the treatment of food addiction. I can point to lots of studies saying that food addiction is real. I couldn't find any studies showing here's how you treat it. And so we did not get any questions on food addiction in those exams. But what started to happen was I started to publish studies with my research team and I, because of that effort, it was quite serendipitous, started to phrase these published studies, like in the Journal of Nutrition and Weight Loss, as I started to phrase it as bright line eating, a two-year follow-up of an abstinence-based treatment plan for food addiction. And so we started to talk about bright line eating, not just as a weight loss program, but as an abstinence-based approach to food addiction. And so we've started to publish some studies showing here's how you treat food addiction by abstaining from sugar and flour. And so it's going to be some time now um, before we have enough of an accumulation of, liter of published literature uh, to warrant and sort of get through uh, food addiction being in those uh, test bank questions. But through all of that that happened, I got to know the executive director of the International Board of Lifestyle Medicine, the American Board of Lifestyle Medicine, um, and the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. So anyway, 
Uh, we have now ins with all of the people that are organizing those efforts, and it's on it's on the way. We funded an effort that is going to eventually make sure that medical schools have a strong focus on food as medicine in addition to drugs as medicine. So that was the second effort. We did it. Well done. So the third effort I want to share with you, and this is the final, these are the, this is the sum total of all of the fundraising efforts we've ever done through this vlog uh, over the years. And the third and final one relates to Charity Water. Um, and I met Scott Harrison, the founder and CEO of Charity Water in 2017, and it moved me just beyond the beyond. I watched a video um, that is, I think, the most touching, life-altering, moving video I've ever seen, perhaps. It, it just floored me. It was stunning. It made me feel so connected to the human family, so blessed as a person, and it gave me such a clear roadmap for making a difference, which I realized was something I, I hadn't had clearly in that way. I mean, I have it in Bright Line Eating. I feel like we make a difference here in lives every day. Um, this felt different. It felt, it felt global, and I felt connected to people all around the world in a new and different way. I put out vlogs at the end of 2017 and 2018 talking about Charity Water, and I showed that video. It's 19 minutes long. It's, it's um, probably the best 20 minutes I ever spent in my life was watching that video. And I shared that video with our community. And the community rose up and started to contribute to the spring, which is a monthly giving to Charity Water. And we just recently, this year, in July of this year, passed the $1 million donated mark from our Brightline Eating community. And when I scroll down my dashboard at the Charity Water website, because they're very, very good at, at keeping everyone up to date on how their contributions are being used around the world. And when I scroll down my dashboard and I look at the people in the Charity Water community, the communities who've had the most impact, what I notice is, aside from Scott Harrison himself, who founded Charity Water, we are number two. We are the second most giving community in the history of Charity Water. And I believe Charity Water has been uh, around since 2006. We have given ourselves here in Brightline Eating over $1 million. And here's what that means in practical terms. Over 32,000 people are now drinking fresh water and not having to hike all day to get a bucket of water. They have fresh water in their village because of us at Brightline Eating. That's hundreds and hundreds of villages that now have fresh running water in their village because of Brightline Eating, because of our community. So thank you for your generous heart. Thank you for standing with me, living by the values that we believe in here at Brightline Eating. I'm going to leave you with this precious video. Again, you know, you can sign off now, but oh my gosh, this is the best 20 minutes I ever spent in my life. It, this video gets better every time I watch it. It's incredible. It's incredible. And if you want to join the members, 
who are contributing to the spring, there is a link down below. Take a moment to have your mind expanded and feel more at one with the human family than you perhaps have felt. Take a watch. My name is Scott Harrison. <laughs> Just listen. This is my wife, my son, and my one on the way. I lead an organization called Charity Water, and our mission is to bring clean water to everyone on the planet. I live in New York City now, but I didn't always. I grew up in suburbia, and this was my house. My dad was a businessman, and my mom was a writer. They loved each other, and they loved me. We were a happy family, until we weren't. When I was four years old, my mom collapsed on the bedroom floor. We'd just moved into a new house, and our house had a carbon monoxide gas leak, but none of us knew it until then. She didn't die that day, but her immune system did. She became allergic to everything. Perfume, the ink from books, radio waves. She wore strange masks all the time and was often connected to oxygen. The toxic gas destroyed her immune system and in a way, my childhood too. After the poisoning, our roles reversed and I began to take care of her. As the only child, I had to be a good one. I learned to cook, do laundry, and take care of the house. I was a good Christian kid who played piano in church and wanted to be a doctor when I grew up to help sick people like her. Until I turned 18. Music was my escape, so I joined a band and moved to New York. Um, right about the time when the band broke up, I got involved in um, producing these like live music shows in the city. I realized that you could actually get paid in New York City to drink alcohol for free. This job was called a nightclub promoter. So you just had to get beautiful people in the clubs. And if you got the right people in the clubs, you could charge guys $500 to buy a bottle of champagne that cost you 40 I moved from club to club to club, filling up the VIP section and flashing my Rolex to the club photographers. For almost 10 years after that, I smoked two packs of cigarettes a day and was out drunk almost every night. I was into strip clubs, gambling, and just about every drug except heroin. On New Year's Eve, uh, we all went to Punta del Este. Uh, it's a kind of party town in Uruguay. We rented this incredible house with cooks, waiters, and magnums of expensive champagne. Although it looked glamorous on the outside, there was a long decline in happiness. And I remember just feeling so unhealthy about it all. The next day, the party was still going, but I wanted the music to stop. I was spiritually bankrupt. I was emotionally bankrupt. I was certainly morally bankrupt. I tried to find my way back to a very lost faith. I wanted things to be different. I left nightlife, sold almost everything I owned, and decided to take one year off to try serving others instead of myself. 
I'm applying, I'm filling out these long applications for these very credible humanitarian organizations that have long histories. I put in the applications and then I wait. And I guess I should not have been surprised, but I am denied by all of these organizations. They won't even let me volunteer because of my past. So they're like, what do you do again? <laughs> We're serious people. Thankfully, one organization says, if you pay us $500 a month, you can volunteer with us. So I said, here are my credit card details. Where are you guys going? They were an amazing team of doctors and surgeons who traveled the world on a hospital ship. They specialized in removing facial tumors, and they were going to Liberia, one of the poorest countries in the world, and a country I'd never even heard of. I say, I'm gonna sign up and be your volunteer photojournalist. I'd always taken pretty good pictures and photos and love telling stories. Everything in my life changed. I decided in one fell swoop to kind of never smoke again, to never touch drugs again, you know, to never gamble again, to, you know, to swear off pornography and strip clubs and just, I needed to walk so far in the other direction. And I walked up this gangway and this became my new home. Nothing could have prepared me for what I was about to see. Hi, my name is Scott. I think we may be able to help you. I met a man named Harris. He was suffocating to death with a benign tumor. I got to see Harris's transformation because of an amazing surgeon named Dr. Gary Parker. So we, we've got to get your blood nice and strong for an operation, huh? Dr. Gary had moved his entire family on the ship to volunteer for a short time. That was 29 years ago. He'd just never left. I'd never met anyone with that kind of dedication before. Very happy we can uh, schedule and he'll spend Christmas here. First, uh, first good Christmas in 13 years. <laughs> a couple weeks later, I got to take Harris back home to his village with an entirely new face, ready to start a new life. The uniform that's put on people when you have these terrible deformities is you're rubbish, you're worthless, you're spiritually cursed, you're... And when you can change the uniform, it's huge. And the person starts to imagine that they might not be rubbish after all. No one in our world is rubbish. There was one day when more than 5,000 sick people came to see our doctors. Some of them had walked for more than a month. But there were too many of them, and we just didn't have enough doctors. I remember holding my camera, crying. We had to turn thousands away. We were changing individual lives every day, but I wanted to do even more. I'm documenting these life-changing surgeries, but I started to spend more and more time out in the rural villages. And as I would travel around these villages, I would see the most shocking things. About 475 people living here. And this is what they're drinking. You can see there's bugs crawling around in it. I'm sort of putting this together, saying, look, thousands of people are turning up sick, and the most basic need for health isn't even met. It wasn't okay. Kids shouldn't be drinking from scummy swamps or ponds or rivers. I 
He came here to fetch water. Yeah. And a crocodile fell into the river. And a crocodile snatched him. Disappeared everywhere. Not, not even a body was not even found. There were so many diseases caused by bad water. Cholera, dysentery, trachoma, bilharzia, things I'd never even heard of. On top of that, I found out people weren't just drinking this filthy water, they were breaking their backs to get it. Women and girls are usually the ones responsible, often walking for hours every day. As a result, many girls never make it through school. They trade in their education and dreams to carry 40-pound jerry cans so their families can have water. Dirty water is responsible for more death in the world than all forms of violence, including war. Even if it were a million people, this would be a crisis. But it's not one million. It's 663 million people that live on our planet right now without access to clean water. That's twice the population of the United States. Nearly one in 10 people worldwide. Behind those statistics were real lives people who were dying because they couldn't get clean water. And many of them were children. I began to become really interested in the, the water issue and who was doing something about this. How come more people weren't talking about water? I came back to New York City ready to go. So I started with a party. It's the only thing I knew how to do. I was a nightclub promoter. So I got someone to donate a club. I threw my 31st birthday party. I got 700 people to come out. I lured them with open bar. And I charged them 20 bucks at the door. And this time, instead of pocketing the $15,000, we took it immediately to a refugee camp in northern Uganda. We built three wells. We fixed three wells. And then we sent the photos and the GPS and the story back to those 700 people. This was a big deal. People could not believe that a charity would bother to report to them on a $20 gift and that something actually happened with the money that they could see, that they could connect with. 700 people proved that we could make a difference, even $20 at a time. This was the beginning of Charity Water. As I'm talking about setting up a charity, I realized that so many of my friends don't trust charities. In fact, I learned that 42% of people in America alone don't trust charities. From the beginning, I was determined to do things differently, and I had a few big ideas. First, we'd handle money differently. From day one, Charity Water made a bold promise that 100% of all donations would go directly to clean water. I opened up a separate bank account for overhead, and we never touched the water money to pay for things like staff salaries, office rent, or travel expenses. We started looking for generous people with the resources to cover those overhead costs. Second, we proved each water project we funded. We put photos and GPS coordinates on Google Maps and even attached GPS trackers to drilling rigs so people could follow them. Later, we created and installed thousands of remote water sensors so we'd know that the project continued to work over time and even how much clean water was flowing. Third, we believe for the work to be sustainable, it had to be led by locals. Water and sanitation program creates an enabling environment so that all aspects of development can take off. 
In the beginning, usually a handful of people were in the office every single day. And it was funny back then because we were trying to look so professional and put together when if you just walked in the office and saw how we did what we did, we had no idea what we were doing. Uh, and we were just making everything up as we went. We built outdoor exhibitions, staged water walks, and designed ads that made people think differently about water. We got space on buses and taxis donated, spreading the word to everyone we could. We took over the windows of luxury retailers and created a TV commercial that ran for free to more than 20 million people. People started to take notice and thousands began to donate. People all around the world started donating their birthdays to raise money for clean water. A seven-year-old named Max went door to door asking for $7 donations and he raised $22,000. Maggie Moran gave up her 16th birthday. Nona Ween gave up her 89th. Gave up my 28th birthday for charity water. My 25th birthday. 39th birthday. 25th, 36th, 38th, 44th. And this movement of birthdays begins to spring up, and people said, look, I don't need any more stuff. That's exactly what Rachel Beckwith said. She heard me speak a few months before her ninth birthday and told her mom that instead of presents or a party, she wanted to raise $300 to help kids get clean water to drink instead. She was disappointed when she didn't reach her goal, but she raised $220, and her mom assured her it was good enough. She could try again next year. She never got that chance. A few weeks later, Rachel lost her life in a car accident. Well, just at nine years old, Rachel Beckwith already had a legacy. Hers was charity water. NBC's Lee Cowan explains how even now, Rachel Beckwith continues to make a difference. Hundreds of strangers started to give $9 in her honor. Then it became thousands. Within weeks, Rachel's fundraising campaign had raised over $1.2 million for clean water. The heart of this nine-year-old girl inspired 32,000 people to give. But it didn't stop there. 80,000 people pledged their birthdays like Rachel. Some people said, I can't wait until my birthday. I just need to fundraise now. I need to do something about this now. Guys shaved their beards. Complete strangers started climbing mountains to raise money for clean water. Walking and biking across countries. Sailing across oceans. I've been giving up Christmas gifts for five years. I've raised just above 32,000. I did 12 lemonade stands for charity water. I raised $10,000 for clean water. Rachel reminded us that charity water wasn't just our story. And she's now been joined by over 1 million people, helping us fund over 20,000 water projects that will bring clean water to 6.3 million people. And I got to see just how much impact one life really can have when I took Rachel's family to Africa. We greatly love Rachel and continue to love her family. And I'm overwhelmed with how greatly you have honored her memory. Please receive my most deepest and heartfelt thanks. You've done us a great honor today, so thank you. Yeah. Rachel developed such a big heart from such a young age that she understood and felt the pain of others on the other side of the world. It's the most 
beautiful gift a person can give. Lives all around the world were being changed. The kids I saw sitting in the mud with the pigs, drinking swamp water, were now drinking clean water from wells. Cholera, parasites, leeches, those were all now things of the past. Clean water and toilets made a huge difference in schools and improved education for students. Moms were now dancing around drilling rigs. In the beginning, there was water. Always changing and bringing new life wherever it goes. It did for me and for so many others in very real ways. Even though I didn't grow up to be a doctor, I'm thankful that my childhood gave me awareness of the importance of health, of life. Dr. Gary is still on that ship, helping people every single day. My mom is still here too, fighting for her health. My son knows and loves her well. So will my daughter. Now I know the world will change by the time my children reach my age. But I believe there are only a few times in each of our lives that we get to witness a truly historic global moment. And giving clean water to the entire planet will be one of those moments. I invite you to be a part of this. We've been able to help more than six million people get clean water, but we want to do so much more. We want to go faster and help more people. So we're introducing a new way to do just that. It's called the spring. This year, Charity Water turns 10, and we're looking for 10,000 of you to join us and make this your story too. We're building a community of givers so generous and constant the world has never seen anything like it before. People who are willing to give not just once, but who will stick with us month in and month out, faithfully fighting for change. We subscribe to things every month. Cable internet, magazines, movies, and music. We're loyal to these things because they benefit our lives. But the spring benefits other people's lives. It costs only $30 to give one person clean water. Some of you can give that every month. Some of you can give more. Some of you less. But whatever you can give, 100% goes directly to clean water and we'll keep showing you where your money goes and the lives that you're changing. We're looking for 10,000 members to join us right now. And when we get there, we'll grow to 100,000 and then a million until the day we can finally say that no one on earth will die from dirty water. So we realize people will tell us this can't be done, but we think, man, if there's ever a time in the world when this is possible, it's certainly today. 
People are really looking to give. They're looking to make an impact. We know how to end the water crisis in our lifetime. And with your help, we will. Join the spring today. Oh my gosh. Right? Can you believe it? Whew. Incredible. So, we are already giving here in Brightline Eating tremendously to Charity Water. And if you're new around here, if you want to join with us in our charity of choice, this is based on our understanding that fresh water, clean water is the prerequisite for healthy food. Living bright requires access to fresh, clean water. I invite you right now to join me and my husband, David Thompson, and the Brightline Eating team, and the thousands of people in Brightline Eating who've given to Charity Water over the years and who are giving monthly right now to join us by joining the spring. Click below. Thank you so much for your generosity. That's the weekly vlog, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Brightline Living. Please post a review and subscribe to our channel. Interested in learning more about Brightline Eating? Visit ble.life slash podcast to find out more. ble.life slash podcast. Have a bright day.